Well, a happy Tuesday night, everybody, and welcome in once again this week in hockey. Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you tonight, one hour taking you up till 7 o'clock, but we have plenty of hockey talk to get into with a new Stanley Cup finalist. Another team that could be headed to the Stanley Cup final later on tonight, of course, the St. Louis Blues and the offseason. And we're going to play a fun game, a little match game a little bit later on tonight with Joe Vitale. But first things first, Joey V, how are you, buddy? How was the weekend? Hey, Big Al. Hey, the weekend was great. We had some really great weather here in St. Louis. And uh, kids are all back in school still. Sports kind of seem to be wrapping up here a little bit. People have been responsible. I'm watching people wear masks. And life seems to be getting back to normal. But how about you on the other end? Is your wife getting grumpy yet? How many weeks is she now? So she is 14 weeks. And if you're if you're just joining us and wondering what we're talking about, I announced it uh, last week, um, actually on the show that Joe Vitale was the guest on Rivs and BK, that my wife is pregnant. And Joe, she's at 14 weeks now. We have not hit the grumpy stage. We have not hit the um, food craving stage. Right now we're at the exhausted stage where she is literally, it feels like she's a narcolept where she falls asleep probably every hour on the hour because she's exhausted 24 seven. Well, yeah, you know, these babies, they take everything that's good inside of the woman, you know, there's an amazing stories. Um, so I was, I was a huge world war two nut, uh, not to get completely derailed here, <laughs> but there were, there, there were these individuals in these concentration camps, these women, right. that were pregnant heading into these camps and they were super nervous about losing their babies. And they actually had these babies, even though they had very little food, very little water, and, you know, it, it's amazing the miracle of childbirth and, and women and how it all develops inside the belly because uh, even with very little, the babies will literally rob every good thing, piece of nutrition that that mother has. So the reason why your wife feels so exhausted is because that little that little nugget or nugito, whatever you want to call it in there, <laughs> is is robbing your, your poor little bride of everything. Yeah, she's not going to be at the miserable stage yet. I think it goes from sick to exhausted and then the miserable, I hate you, I can't believe you did this to me phase, that usually happens around 30, 35 weeks when their feet swell up and all their toes, they look like little Oscar Mayer mini weenie dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, well, that's perfect because that'll be right when the season starts up in the NHL where I'll be doing pre- and post-game duties. So she'll hate me even more because I'm gone half of the time. Yeah, honey, you know about that, uh, about the baby getting up in the middle of the night, you know, I got to do this thing um, at the <laughs> studio. Yeah, that'll go over very well for your first baby. She'll, she'll definitely want to have more with you. Oh, of course, right? Now, I asked you last week on, on Ribs and BK for some advice, and you gave me some great advice. Now, I want to get more advice, Joe. What's the best advice you can give a soon-to-be dad going through this pregnancy stage? Oof, I mean, for the first baby, I mean, what we touched on last week with the BK, I, I just kind of threw something out at you that, you know, just don't be alarmed kind of thing. And that was that, that first number two one. your baby has. It's that, it's that tarry sludge, man. <laughs> I was a little freaked out by it, but you'll see, I forget the exact term for it. But anyway, so that's, that's don't be alarmed kind of thing for a first time dad. You know, I, I always tell first time dads, and this is just based off my experience, you know, before you have kids, you have this life, right. And you have this roller coaster of the ups and the downs. Um, when you have children, and you will experience life very differently. Uh, the highs will be higher than you ever have ever imagined or ever experienced in your entire life. And then the lows will be the lowest valleys you've ever hit in your entire life. And you'll go from peak to valley within 20 minutes. It's not like a one week or a two month or a different chapter in your life. I'm up high one, one month and then you know next year I'm down in this valley, I'm struggling through something. Parenting, especially the first one, you, you'll be at the ultimate high where your baby looks at you and gives you a smile or a giggle and life can't be any better. And then literally 10 minutes later, she is bawling, colicky, <laughs> your wife hates you, the bottle <laughs> temperature isn't warm enough, and she crapped all over the diaper all over her new onesie. So it's just it's amazing how it can go from high to low so quickly. Um, and that's why you just got to enjoy the ride, buddy. I'm not sure who's going to get more entertainment out of this pregnancy period. Me just going through this or you, Curbs, and our listeners throughout these pre and post games of what we're going to be discussing. Because I guarantee you it's going to be story after story after story as a first time dad. Well, that, that's what happens when you have children and you're done having children. Then you can look at the new people having children and just and just look and <laughs> smile and go, oh, 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 I remember that stage. And then you just walk away. And that's you just mic drop and you just take a breath and you say, thank God we're done having kids, right? 
That's right. Well, unless unless oops happens, and that, yeah. that can happen sometimes. Yes, and you were living proof of that, aren't you? Well, technically, I'm living proof of that too, because I think <laughs> I was an oops baby as well. But you never know, I guess, with all of this. Well, we, we won't do all baby talk tonight. Lots of hockey stuff to get into, Joe. And let's start with the Dallas Stars because to me, that feels like a, an oopsie Stanley Cup our Western Conference champion, a Stanley Cup competitor. We talked week after week after week when the playoffs started, when the round robins were happening, and we can, you and I continue to say, I don't see how Dallas is going to win. I don't see how Dallas is going to win. Lo and behold, they knocked off the two Stanley Cup favorites, the Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche, and they did it in what seemed like an easy fashion. Well, it's amazing, this Dallas Stars team. Go back to the start of this past season. Go back to October, right? I remember, I remember, you know, talking about the next season, the season after the Blues Cup. Can they repeat? I said, I think they can repeat, but if there was one team that was going to get in their way, I believe it was the Dallas Stars. I looked at a team that was one bounce away from getting to the Cup final. They didn't lose any pieces. They only added two great veterans in Perry and Pavelski. Uh, you still got Ben Bishop on the back end. And then that three, that trio of incredible defensemen with Lindell, Klingberg, and Miro Haskinen, they're just going to be one more year groomed. So to me, at the very beginning of this season, I was extremely nervous about Dallas. But then, of course, the regular season happened, Alex, and we've seen Dallas really bad when they started out terribly. And then we've seen them when they were got started trending up and really kind of nipping on the heels of the Blues before this pause. Uh, but even, even then, even then, I really lost a lot of um, confidence in Dallas throughout the regular season. The pause happens. You head into this round-robin playoff series and in the bubble. To me, it, it was a team you forget about. And especially with Ben Bishop, their starting goal, goaltender going down with another injury. When that happened, I think everyone in the hockey world, including you and me, both said, well, it's just not going to be Dallas this year. There's no way. Dallas is or me, um, uh, Colorado's far too strong. And then you got Vegas, who's far too strong. It's either going to be Vegas and Colorado now that the Blues are out. But Dallas team, the stinking Dallas team, if the Blues last year were a team that could find just ways to win games, to me, Alex, this year – the Dallas Stars are a team that just will not go away. You know, I was sitting watching that game last night, Joe, and watching Dallas continue, and they do. They, they just cannot disappear. And I got to thinking, would Dallas have been a Stanley Cup champion last year if they got through the St. Louis Blues? Because, look, it's all about puck luck. We've talked about that, and the Blues were the better team in that series, but it did come down to a lucky bounce off of Bo Meester's stick on the wraparound from Jamie Benn. But if the Dallas Stars get past the St. Louis Blues last year, I think you could legitimately be talking about back-to-back Stanley Cup finalists with Dallas because they're that good in terms of their roster. Well, and I think that that's probably how they felt about how that team was playing before they got bounced last year by the Blues. And, you know, you look at – I look at Ben Bishop as the reason why they could have overtooken the Boston Bruins last year in the final. I mean, look at Big Ben in that Game 7 in St. Louis. I've never seen a performance quite like that in a very, very long time. So for him to be trending in the way he was, you could see how the Dallas Stars certainly – would have made a case if not to go to game six and seven, but they could have won the cup final last year. And again, it's the same group that's being brought back, except you had a couple of veterans and just this incredible group. Uh, I don't know, but you, have you, have you watched this Miro Haskinen? Have you seen the way this kid plays? It, it's insane. Alex. He's one of the best young defensemen in the NHL right now. And I know everyone's talking Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes and rightfully so because they're rookies. But I mean, this guy's only what a second year pro and he's playing as the best defenseman on that Dallas stars roster. We were in the locker room the other day. I was skating with uh, Brady Kachuk, Chad Ruedel, Logan Brown. There's a bunch of pros that are still in town here just looking to get on the ice. We were in the Kirkwood locker room. And, and you know that question you just said of the three guys you just brought up, they brought up that question. We were talking about the defensive in the league. And I think it was Brady Kachuk who said, I mean, if you got to put one, two, three, who are you going to go with out of Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, and Miro Haskinen? And they kind of thought about it, all the guys were talking about it a little bit. But um, – Two and three were uh, a little bit kind of up in the air. Uh, but th- without question, the number one unanimous decision for the best out of those three was this Miro Haskin. Right. He's such a he's such a quiet uh, kid from overseas. He, he didn't get he didn't play at UMass Amherst. He's not the brother of Jack Hughes. He wasn't in the USA development program. So he kind of gets lost a little bit, I think. But now the Dallas Stars are in the final. 
this is a player, um, and we're going to talk to Ben Lovejoy about him here in a little bit, but this is a player that is just such an exceptional skater in the way he can get out of checks and maneuver on the blue line. He's so slippery with the puck, how he gets up in the rush. He never throws himself out of position. And Alex, for a young player in this league, I mean, for him to already be doing that, it is scary to think where this kid can go. I mean, think of that draft, Joe, and this was the 2017 NHL draft. You had Nico Heischer go first overall in that draft, who rightfully so, he's been a very good player for the Devils. It's just been a bad Devils team. Nolan Patrick went second overall to Philadelphia, who we really haven't heard much from. He's been dealing with injuries. But then 3-4 was Miro Haskinen and Kale McCarr. And then after those two, it was Elias Pettersson. Th- the, the, the third, fourth, and fifth picks in that draft right now are the best players from that 2017 draft. They've been the most influential in terms of this postseason and what they've done for their teams. Well, you know, you can almost move those guys up to the 1-2-3 and kind of move those other two guys down, maybe to some later rounds, just yeah. based off of what we've based off of what we've seen so far. And, you know... Uh, this is uh, to tie into what you just said about the Blues ending their season early this year. You know, you've got to give a lot of credit to Vancouver. You mentioned Pedersen, well, Quinn Hughes, another young star uh, within the mix right there for Vancouver. An incredibly young team, quick team, fast team that have just developed these players very well by giving them a great opportunity and surrounding them with great young talent as well. So, you know, as it, unfortunate as it was, for the St. Louis Blues to go down. And you think of the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, come on. The Vancouver Canucks, this young, stinking team. You have to be kidding me. Well, they ran into a hot goaltender. They ran into a hot goaltender, and they have some young players that were just feeling it. I mean, they got very close to even moving on to the Western Conference Final as well. So, uh, But, yeah, it's, it's exciting to look at these young players, especially on the back end. A lot of great defensemen up and coming in the NHL right now. And with how the NHL is trending, about a lot of offense, D joining the rush, it's definitely going to be adding a lot more excitement and offense to the game in the years to come. Who's the better matchup for Dallas, Joe, Tampa or the Islanders? You know, I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning right now are so strong. They're so solid and they're so deep. Uh, if I'm the Dallas Stars, I, I would I would hope that the New York Islanders win. Hmm. That would give me the better chance to win a Stanley Cup. But I, I just can't see New York coming back in this series. I think it's going to be Tampa all the way, you know, um, you look at their offense, you look at the depth, the speed of Gord and Point. They don't even have Steven Stamkos yet, but they just continue to go. They picked up some great players in the deadline, and Coleman, Victor Hedman's playing like the best defenseman in the league. And, and to me, the biggest difference, uh, Alex, is, is the goaltender right now. I love this Hudobin. He's a fantastic character. He's done amazing things for Dallas. But at some point, um, the, the well has to run dry with yeah. the goaltending in Dallas. And I, I don't know about you, but to me, Vasilevsky is just going to be too strong for Dallas to handle. Yeah, well, let's talk about the Dallas Stars with the former Dallas Star who was on their team a couple of years ago, Ben Lovejoy, NHL defenseman, Stanley Cup champion, and former teammate of Joe Vitale's. Ben Lovejoy joins us next here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. Welcome back in, everyone. This week in hockey here on a Tuesday night, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you talking hockey until 7 o'clock this evening. And to do that, we welcome in a former teammate of Joe Vitale's, a Stanley Cup champion and a former NHL defenseman, Ben Lovejoy. Ben, how are you tonight, man? I'm very well. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Well, we're doing fantastic. So give me your thoughts on these uh, on these playoffs so far that uh, that we've seen the bubble with the success. And now we have one team that we know is headed to the Stanley Cup final. I I am I am continue to be not surprised but impressed uh, with the Dallas Stars. Um, I think that they have been able to beat teams uh, completely different ways. Um, they had to to beat a high powered Avalanche team, and uh, I really felt like they were the better team through most of the series. Uh, they certainly had the better goaltender, um, and then. Um, this past series in Vegas, um, I thought I thought they were going to be in trouble. Um, when when I played with the Dallas Stars, albeit briefly last season, uh, we really struggled with two teams: um, the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, the Vegas Knights. And I think that they just um, they could beat you in so many different ways. And I think that um, Vegas just got frustrated with them. Uh, they continue to play really good defense. Um, 
Um, they got some incredible goaltending and some timely. I, I really, I felt like Dallas was the better team throughout the entire series. And I really felt like when I was in Dallas that their top three D men um, were were the best top three in in the sport. Um, Miro Heskinen is going to be Nick Lindstrom, um, Essa Lindell, and John Klingberg. Just a top three that plays in Dallas that the traditional hockey media don't don't watch a ton. Um, these guys just can play incredible minutes, and um, they are so good. And Miro took the the next step even further this year, and I really feel like he's he's the MVP of the playoffs so far. So. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens tonight with, with Tampa. Uh, I think that Tampa should be the favorite if, if they end up being the Islanders, but um, it's been, it's been a great, great couple of months of hockey. You know, Ben, I remember when we spoke to you last year and you were talking about Miro Haskin in the Dallas locker room. And I think you said something along those lines. You said he's going to be the next Nicholas Lindstrom. And I kind of passed that along to, Darren Pang and some of the, you know, Bernie Federico's. And they kind of looked at me like I had, you know, like a chicken with my head cut off. Like they couldn't believe that comment by you. But I think we're starting to see that this Miro Haskinen is probably, at least in my opinion, the most um, just amazing young defenseman up and coming in this league, the way he moves, the way he shoots. So huge kudos for you to get ahead of that. Hey, how does it feel to leave a team and then they go to the Stanley Cup final? Because I remember when I left Pittsburgh, they won two cups. <laughs> um yes Heskinen uh this is hyperbole but um he's Nick Lindstrom but he skates like Connor McDavid like he is he is the perfect defenseman uh going forward in the National Hockey League uh he has so much more fun playing the game than I have been ever did. um incredible to watch while sitting on the bench uh even though the one game he did get paired with me I went we went uh he was minus five and I was minus four. So um, it was it was not the best <laughs> tonight. <laughs> um, with what, what was the second part of your question? Oh, leaving leaving the, the team. Um, so I got traded in 2015 from the Anaheim Ducks back to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Anaheim lost in overtime of Game Seven to Chicago, um, and that. If, if Anaheim had gone on to win the, the cup that year that I had been traded away, it would have killed me. It would have just eaten lives. Um, it was an incredibly difficult summer as it was. Um, do, being as successful as they were, um, this is completely different um, because I won. Um, I, I, I have won a Stanley Cup. Um, I, I want it to be done. I was ready to be done. Um, I'm 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 not screwing with you. I'm I'm cheering for Dallas. Um, I'm cheering for Rick Bonus. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of good people in that room. And um, the thing for me now, I I I don't cheer for for teams. Cheer for I, I cheer for good people, and I cheer against bad people. Um, it, like if if. People ask all the time, like, who are you rooting for in this series? And I, I, it really comes down to, like, who would I not win the Cup? Um, like, just guys that I've played against or played with that uh, I, I'm, I'm a pretty affable guy. I, I like a lot of people. But there are some guys that would drive me nuts if they win the Stanley Cup. And there are none of those guys on Dallas. And I think Rick Bonus is just an amazing human being. And I'm I'm really excited that he's finally got a shot as a head coach again, and uh, he's got a, a a great chance to win the Stanley Cup. So um, I am I am rooting for Dallas to be successful, and and I I do hope they win. Ben Dallas is such an interesting team to me because you know we in St. Louis saw them last year, and I mean they were a wraparound and a in a stick save away from headed to the Western Conference Final, and you don't know what the story could have been last year with this team. But how much of a difference does it make when you have a head coach that guys want to rally around? You mentioned bonus. We saw it with Craig Berube last year, but when you have guys in a locker room and and the players want to win for him, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Um, it, yes, it does. Um, at this point, um, uh, 
when 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 I was going through playoff series, it was always let's win for this guy or let's win for that guy. Um, media would ask me like, oh, you know how great it would be to win for this guy. Um, I, I wanted to win for me. Um, I wanted to win the Stanley. Cup. I, I cared. Yeah, if my teammates did, or if this this guy in the organization has been there for a while. Uh, you you want to play for it. at this time of the year. Guys are selfish. Guys, guys know that, like it was my childhood the Stanley Cup, not not a, a coach um, win win a Stanley Cup uh, that I was a part of. Um, I, I think that that coaches um, set the tone in the locker room. Um, they're the ones that that guide you through tough Januarys and tough tough. Uh, um, of Februarys and stretches where you've lost seven in a row or where you, you can't score goals or you can't stop anything. I think that, that, um, that the narrative of playing for a guy is, is way too overused. And I, I think that coaches um, hold you accountable and you can, they put you in the right position and um, you, you want to play hard for them, but, but really you want to play hard for, for the selfishly, for, for the guy inside your own jersey. You know, Ben, I'm looking at the Stanley Cup final now. Of course, Dallas Stars, they just win the Western Conference. They'll be there. You know, I, I would imagine Tampa. Let's just say Tampa gets there, and we're looking at a Tampa-Dallas series. From top to bottom, I would I would give the nod to, to Tampa for the offense, for the forwards. I would give Dallas the nod for the defense as far as having the advantage there. And then you go to goaltending, you know, right? And no disrespect to Hudobin, but – you got to give the nod to Vasilevsky, but that's what every coach and everyone's kind of predicted in every series up to this point. How does Hudobin just continue to surprise? What what about his character of being in that locker room? He seems like a fun guy. He seems like a, a relaxed character that just goes out and is a gamer. How is he? How has he been able to do it this entire way so far? Uh, he's a goofball. Um, he he is your ideal goofy backup goalie um he sits on the bench and makes fun of himself and um is uh talks about living in Siberia in the summer and um just a just an affable guy who who wants to work hard he he was the backup goalie uh when I was playing there last year um Ben Bishop was 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 the starter and um I think that Dallas struggled through uh, goaltending for many years, and Jim Mill learned that that you need a one A and a one B. And I think Anton Hudobin has come in and, and done an incredible job. But this is this is why he was brought in. Uh, ben Bishop has has had a history of injuries, at, and um, at a time like this, um, if you're relying on an unproven guy, then then quite frankly, they're probably knocked out of the playoffs. Um, I, I do think I'm surprised. Tampa um, hasn't won a Stanley Cup in the last five years. I think they've truly been the class of the NHL. Um, just consistent excellence. Um, I, I, I do think they, they should be the favorite um, going in just with the, the firepower that, that they have. They have four great lines. Uh, the, their defense, while I don't think it's as strong as as what Dallas can roll out um, is is pretty impressive. Victor Hedman is is one of the top players in the game for a reason. Um, so I, I think I think I hope it'll be a great series. Um, I'm, I'm cheering for Dallas, but um, I, I do think that that Tampa. Uh, should probably be the favorite going in. We got a couple more questions with Ben Lovejoy, who's joining us tonight. Of course, former NHL defenseman and Stanley Cup champion. Ben, I know you didn't get the chance to play with Joe Pavelski and Corey Perry, but you have played against these guys in the NHL. What kind of difference did these two make for the Dallas Stars? Um, I have played with Corey Perry. We were teammates of the Ducks. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, um, and and I don't know Joe Pavelski other than his reputation. Um, but they've both, they're both not the stars of the team. They're both depth players and they've, they both do, uh, do, do their role and play their jobs. And they both play playoff hockey. Um, Corey Perry's won a Stanley cup, but it was his rookie season, but he has, he, he can play on your third line and play on your power play. And he just has one of those punchable faces. He just, he, he irritates other teams and, and at this time, he's just one of those guys that 
that you don't want to play against because you just want to punch them in the face. And <laughs> even when you're, even when you're a teammate, you kind of want to do that too. But, um, and then Joe Pavelski's just been an elite goal scorer his whole career. Um, neither of them have been the star's best players throughout the series, but it, but, but they've been, they've been good, good players, good solid depth for them. And, uh, that that whole lineup is is just playing very good hockey right now. Uh, combine that with great goaltending, they've just they've beaten teams all sorts of ways. You know, Ben, you've been retired now for a little bit, and I always like to ask retired players this question: You being a defenseman, now that you're removed from the game, who is one forward that now you can look back on and think, "Thank God, I don't need to get dressed in a game tonight <laughs> and go against this guy again." Oh my God, Connor McDavid. He's he's playing a, he's playing a different sport than the rest of us. Um, I, I I I've never never seen anything like that. You can have an incredible gap um, and uh, uh, full speed skating backwards, and he is just it's, he's playing a different sport. Um, he he's so much faster than anyone else that I've ever seen play the game. And he plays it calmly with his head up and can make plays going that fast. Um, it's, it's absolutely terrifying. And I'm so glad that I never have to do it again. Ben, final one that I have for you. And again, we appreciate you hopping on with us tonight. It's kind of a local question. And you've been, you played a long time in the NHL. You've been around superstars in the NHL. You're a defenseman yourself. What do you make of this Alex Petrangelo situation? And really, how rare is it to see a player like this go this close to a free agency period? I think it's very interesting. I, I think that um, he is coming uh, to be an unrestricted free agent at, at such a, a weird time in the NHL. Um, I, I think that Look at the contracts handed out to to 30-year-olds, the eight-year deals, and how many of them are uh, the the, the nine, ten, eleven million dollar deals, how many of them really look good in even three or four years? And he has won a Stanley Cup in St. Louis. Um, He's the captain. He's incredibly important. How do you go forward with him and with, without him? And um, are you are are you paying too much for for too long? I don't know. It's a it's a really tough tough question, um, and it's one that I'm glad that that it's it's not it's not my job to make. He's he's an outstanding player. Um, he's an important player, and. Um, what's going to happen in three or four years? What, what's what's a, a big defenseman going to be skating like? So it's a, it's a very tough question to, handle, to answer. It's the best part about why we don't have to be general managers and make these decisions. We just get to talk about it. Ben Lovejoy, it's awesome to get to catch up with you, man. It's great to talk about this postseason run and just kind of the, uh, the, the incredible story that has been the Dallas Stars. So thanks for taking some time tonight, and we look forward to catching up again soon. My pleasure. Once again, Ben Lovejoy, NHL defenseman, Stanley Cup champion, and of course a former teammate of Joe Vitale. He's always great to catch up with Ben uh, in the uh, postseason run. We'll take a break here on This Week in Hockey. We'll come back. Ben talked a little bit about the identity of the Dallas Stars. And Joe, I'm curious your thoughts of what the identity of the Blues could be next season. So we'll touch on that next here on 101 ESPN. Back at it here on a Tuesday night. Once again, thank you to Ben Lovejoy for joining us here on This Week in Hockey. If you missed that interview with the Stanley Cup champion talking about the Dallas Stars and some interesting perspective on the Alex Petrangelo situation from a defenseman aspect, you can check that out at the podcast, 101ESPN.com. So, Joey V, let's take a look at uh, this Blues team moving forward. And I know we talk a lot about what next season could look like, and Petrangelo is the focus of that. But I want to kind of compare it to what we've seen from the Dallas Stars. Now, look, Look, the Blues are not a fast team by any means in the NHL. Um, and I don't know if speed is what's winning games right now in the NHL as we see Dallas is headed to the Stanley Cup final. And whether Tampa or the Islanders win, they're a heavy-hitting team as well. Is that identity for the St. Louis Blues still able to hold their head above water next year in the NHL and the Western Conference, not being fast but being a slower team but still playing that heavy-hitting style? 
You know, Alex, it's a really interesting point. You know, so much of the identity of this team is going to be shaped around if they can get their captain resigned or not. Right. I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest force of the biggest um, decision and um, how this team is going to look moving forward. Because when you have Petrangelo in the lineup, your team's going to look a certain way. And when you don't have Petrangelo in the lineup, your, your team's going to look a different way, not only for not having him, but for maybe a player you can bring in uh, to, to add to this team. To me, I, I'm looking at the, the NHL now. It's amazing, the trends. It, it switches every single year, right? The, the Detroit Red Wings win the Cup, and they just have nothing but skill and speed. So then teams started trending that way. Uh, the New Jersey Devils win. Everyone goes to the trap. You know, then the Blues win. You know, everyone thinks you need a heavy-hitting um, a veteran team that is committed to four lines being deep. Uh, but now that year has passed, and now we're looking at two teams. If the Tampa Bay make it to the final, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Dallas Stars, Alex, to me, they play very fast. They play a very fast game with a little bit of an edge. They don't play completely edgy like the Blues, but they have enough edge. But the biggest thing that stands out about them is their speed. You look at you look at Coleman for Tampa, how he can skate. Braden Point, how he moves up the ice. They cheat for offense. The puck's in their D zone, and they're already moving to the neutral zone, and bam, they're completely out of there. Tyler Johnson, he can move his feet. Um, look at their defenseman, Victor Hedman, getting up in the rush. Look at the defenseman for Dallas Stars. We, we mentioned already, Haskinen, Klingberg. Those guys have speed. They get up with the ice. Uh, this Gurianov, the rookie for Dallas, is an absolute bullet. Uh, Foxa, Como. I mean, these guys, uh, really, Cogliano is another one. To me, uh, if I'm looking at how do I continue to make my team better for the St. Louis Blues and what the identity looks like next year, you have to base it off of what teams are doing now that are being successful. And to me, that's speed. And I think it's going to be very important for Doug Armstrong to go out and find more speed um, because, you know, Alex, who are we talking about right now with speed in the depth chart uh, right now for the St. Louis Blues that we have? We got what, uh, um, you know, we got Jordan Cairo who can get up in the ice uh, Sammy Blake can kind of move his feet, but he's got some heavier feet that can, can grind down low. Um, but aside from that, am I missing anyone within the organization that can really add a speed element to this team's identity? I don't think so. I mean, you you think about some of the younger players. I don't know if Clem Costin really makes that much of a difference to the speed. I mean, the defensemen make a, a difference when it comes to their speed of a Colton Pareko, of a Vince Dunn, um, even a Justin Falk who has some speed, and then some of the younger guys. But the, see, that's the part that gets me, Joe, because I don't know if you can change your identity in the offseason because, one, the salary cap situation and really your predicament with Alex Petrangelo, even if you don't bring back the captain, it's not like you have a plethora of dollars to go out and spend on a high-end free agent. Um, but I don't know if you can transition your speed factor just by a player. Now, from a from an NHL player's perspective, Joe, is that something that a team that's not known to be fast can focus on in the offseason? You know, I think that it's something they need to try to. I think that they've got to get faster, you know, and, and this goes back to a comment Ryan O'Reilly said to start this past season about a year ago, almost to the day when camp opened up. They're Stanley Cup champions. Uh, they're looking to defend. Sat down with Ryan. And I said, how are you guys going to do this thing? Is it just doing what you did last year except find another level? Or how, how does it work? And, and Ryan looked me in the eye and he said, honestly, um, we can't play the way we played last year or we're going to lose. And I said, well, what do you mean? You guys were so successful doing it. And he said, we have got to reinvent our game and we have got to reinvent ourselves because if we continue to play the exact same way we did last year, teams will figure us out. Coaches are too smart. Scouts are too smart. Uh, the, the scouting report on teams and how to beat a team, uh, it's out there. Everyone, it's amazing, the analytics and the, and the brains behind the sport now. So to me, Alex, I, I, I just I don't know if you're Doug Armstrong. You can go into this next season and try to duplicate what the 2019 season was. So you lose Pat Maroon. Who are we going to find to replace Pat Maroon? Uh, for example, you know, you lose Joel Edmondson, heavy hitting defense from the back end. We proved to be maybe a little bit of a loss. How do you go out there and you find him? You know, if you lose Jaden Schwartz next year, free agency, how do you go out and find a Jaden Schwartz? I don't know if that's how I would play it. I don't know if Doug Armstrong, based off how things had gone to playoffs this past season, is going to look at saying, this is the team that's going to get it done again because there's just way too many holes. So I think that you do need to add speed. You do need to add some youth. And you've got to give um, a, the leash, of, you got to loosen up the leash a little bit for some of these young players. And I know Doug Armstrong is a big fan of that, but how does Craig Berube feel about that? 
We've seen him love Jordan Cairo at times, and we've seen him not love Jordan Cairo so much at times. Jordan Cairo has a lot of speed. He's got a lot of offensive upside. Can he be coached? Can you get him in there on the top nine role where he's consistently playing you know, every three shifts or every four shifts, night in, night out, where that speed can be a factor? But unless you kind of unload that leash a little bit, he's always going to feel as if um, you know, he's always looking over his shoulder about being sent down again. So I think a lot of that has to do with the head coach. A lot of it has to do with the coaching staff. But a lot has to do with the players, too. It's not just up to the coaches. It's about to these players. You know, who's going to go out there? Who's going to grab this thing? And who's going to run with it? Because opportunity will be there, especially if you've got wheels, because I think the Blues do need to get faster. Yeah, so getting faster is going to be a challenge in itself. But, Joe, then you also look at, look, the, 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 the identity of this team in next season is defense first, right? Like, that's how they play. That's how they win games. They're not going to blow you away with goals like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl but they're going to blow you away in terms of shutting you down defensively. If you don't have Alex Petrangelo, do you have to go into next season? Because I think that you have to look at it as, okay, we have to shift our focus. We're still a great defensive team with Colton Pareko and Carl Gunnarsson and Justin Falk and Vince Dunn and Robert Portuzo. And maybe if you go out and get another player there, but you have to shift your focus to, okay, we have to outscore our mistakes which means you got to go out there and find somebody who can find the back of the net, whether it be more at five on five or on the power play. I, I think that's it. I think you got to, if, if you lose Petrangelo, I think that, I don't know if Doug's going to make any substantial signings this off season. Um, Cause I just don't think there's a lot out there that could really help you right now. I mean, for a defenseman standpoint, for example, Tory crew to me is the number one guy. I, I don't know if you have the capabilities to get a Tory crew. So I think if you lose Petro, I think you start the year and you just see how this thing goes and you give the young people and the young guys that opportunity we just talked about. You say, listen, we don't have our captain anymore. Colton Pareko, you're our number one right D man. You know, right now, uh, Scandella, you're our number one on the left. Justin Falk, uh, big boy pants come back on like they were in Carolina. Now you're in our, our, our second group and right there on the right side. Vince Dunn on the left. Those are your top four. Lock it in. And then you have the Robert Bortuzzo's and the Carl Gunnarsson's that kind of fill those roles. Nico Mikula, again, for example. You start the year and you just see how that goes. You see if Colton Preco can handle the opportunity. You see if Justin Falk can continue to handle the workload like he did these last playoffs because I thought he looked exceptional, right? And then you give it a month or so. You see how this team's going and you see where your need comes. I think the need, because uh, I do believe the Blues will have enough on the back end, I think the need will be evident on the top end. I think it's going to be that top six. I think it's going to be a left winger, preferably a consistent, quick forward that Doug Armstrong could probably hopefully get in a trade or something uh, that could add that speed and add that offense um, to that Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron line. Because no disrespect to those two, uh, they're not the fastest players in the world. They need some speed. They need some predictability on that left side. It's the same way why Braden Shen loves playing with Jaden Schwartz because he's just, he's just a rocket. He just goes. He doesn't stop. He's in on the forecheck. When you have a guy that you can count on to be hard and fast on forechecks, it's going to set the other two guys up like Vladimir Tarasenko and Braden Shen just fine. Um, so I think for O'Reilly and to David Prawn to have a speedster on that left side, that's going to be the biggest need. Uh, but again, keep eye on the fact that we're not going to have Vladdy here for a while. So to me, that's even going to give more incentive uh, Alex for Doug Armstrong to probably find a forward here. Uh, either before the season starts or shortly after it begins. He's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to play a little. Joe, you ever watch the matchmaking game? Uh, the matchmaking game. Was that on MTV? Was that uh, with Carmen Electra? And yeah, McCarthy? that was Where Carmen Electra. Or the old school one on the game show network, the match game. Oh yeah, no, that was I was that was a different one. That that was one where like you come out and people oh you you ask a question, always people are behind the curtain and Correct. then they say yes or no, and if it's a no, then they say goodbye to the person. They're like, oh no, I should have kept you. Yep. Yeah, that was that was a different MTV show. I'm thinking of something different, but the matchmaking game. I think I've seen that one. They they both work for what we're gonna do next. We're gonna do a little NHL free agency matchmaking game. We're gonna hit on that next here on this week in hockey on 101 ESPN. Back in here, final time on This Week in Hockey. Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you. Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Islanders in action in just a bit for their game. As Tampa leads that best of seven series, three to one. They can close it out and then head to Edmonton to take on the Dallas Stars in a Stanley Cup final. And the hometown hero, Pat Maroon, goes back to back with Stanley Cup championships. And it's amazing, Joe, when you talk about Pat Maroon and a free agent that looked like, you know, may not 
have any takers in the NHL because the Blues didn't offer him a contract. But then, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning come call. They give him the contract, and he's an integral part of, uh, of course, their their run right now in the postseason once again. Yeah, it's crazy. And he got his first goal the other night. Uh, empty nighter, but you know what? I, I know that was probably a monkey off his back, but I tell you what, it would be it would be very special to see Pat come home with another cup and uh, to see the town of Oakville go crazy again, Alex. Wouldn't that be fun? Boy, I don't know if Oakville can handle that after their last one. But you know what? <laughs> Oakville can't impress you. Oakville can't impress you. So you know, I teased we're going to do a little match game. And uh, basically what we're going to do, first off, let's cue the music, Joe. <laughs> Music sound familiar? Oh. Is that Grateful Dead? <laughs> I don't think so. Might be. It's the match game theme music. We're going to have a little match game oh, fun here. Oh, okay. So we got yeah. some free agents, Joe. So basically what I did is I looked at the seven top free agents right now on the market. And I'm going to make you be the matchmaker. You're going to be the matchmaker with this. So I'm going to give a little description of the player. And then I want you to tell me the team that matches up best with that specific player in terms of free agency. You ready? I like it. You know, we don't have Chris Kerber here to tell you what a terrible game this is. This will be fun. He'll probably tell me at some point that it's a terrible game, but you know what? It's, <laughs> it's worth the shot. All right, let's start, with, uh, let's start with the number one free agent in terms of offense, Joe, and that's Taylor Hall. Of course, just wrapping up a season with the Arizona Coyotes, coming off of a $6 million per year, and I think it was six total year contract. He now is currently, if I'm not mistaken, the age of... I want to double check this to get this right because you don't want to say the wrong age when it comes to age. Uh, he is to- he's currently 28 years old. He's got an MVP season. He's got two seasons where he scored 80 or more points. Joe, who does Taylor Hall match up best with this offseason? Uh, you know, to me, Alex, it's going to be a team that needs to get over the hump. And it's in for Taylor Hall, it's going to be a team that he's sick of losing, right? He's so tired of losing. He's not going to a rebuild, even if the price is right. He's going to a team that can win a championship in the next two years. And for that team, they need a little nudge to get over the hump. I don't know about you, but I like the Colorado Avalanche to sign Taylor Hall. Oh, you do. Do you think they'd be able to afford him? Yeah, I think they can. I think Joe Sackick, given what he's already done with that team, he he can play a little uh, cap gymnastics here and get him. I'm pretty sure. I like it. Okay, hear me out on this one, Joe. I think we're going to see a reunion with the Edmonton Oilers. No way. I I think that they need secondary scoring. We saw that in the postseason. They need goaltending too, but that's another story. I think they want somebody who can kind of fly under the radar, and Taylor Hall was awesome at that in New Jersey and in Arizona. I think he signs in Edmonton, goes back to where he was drafted, and tries to bring a cup to the Oilers. No way. Ain't going to happen. I'm going to tell you why. It's because you just mentioned it. They have a defensive problem. They have a goaltending problem. They have a lines two through four problem. And Taylor's going to look at all that and say, geez, this is a lot of work here, boys. It's going to take probably three, four years in my in my guesstimation right there. And quite frankly, I'm sick of losing, Alex. I, I don't think he does it. All right. Next one, Tory Krug, as we have a 29-year-old defenseman who is just wrapping up, what is it, a total of nine seasons with the Boston Bruins on their blue line, took a team-friendly deal his last contract to stay with the team and try and win a Stanley Cup. Fortunately, it didn't work out for him. Joe Vitale, as Tory Krug heads into free agency, who does he match up best with? He's going to match up with the team that he's been with the entire time, the oh. Boston Bruins. <laughs> They're going to re-sign him. He's not going anywhere. He he's a he's a Boston blooded kid. They love him in Boston. He's a part of the core, and he's going to look at this as, as a great situation to stay where he's played his whole career. Uh, the city of Boston's been tremendous for him. It's an amazing place to live, and he understands he's a part of this core. And this core's I think got about two or three years left in the window. You look at Patrice Bergeron. You look at Brad Marchand. Krejci maybe a year or two away. Uh, Pasternak's got plenty in, in his tank. But I think that uh, given the fact that the Bruins may lose Chara, they're going to need some heavy lifting on the back end. I don't think Tory Krug's going anywhere. All right, I think Tory Krug is is heading home to 
Michigan. I think he is going to sign a big deal with the Detroit Red Wings and head to Michigan to try and be their cornerstone blue liner. He talked about how he took a contract a little bit friendlier at the age that he did, 5.25, which that's amazing that that's friendly to some players. But I think he wants to get paid. I think he wants to go somewhere where he can be somebody who is looked at as a captain and a kid who played three years at Michigan State University. I think he's going to Detroit. I like that call, Alex. I uh, I like that call. I forgot he played his, his hockey as, as a Spartan. I forgot about that in college. Yeah. But no, he uh, that that that's a good pick, and I like that because Detroit is going to start finding some of these franchise guys. Because I think Stevie Y, the GM in, in Detroit, is getting a little impatient. He wants to start seeing some results here soon. All right, next up, Joe, as our match game continues with free agents in the NHL, Robin Leonard, the goaltender who was on the Vegas Golden Knights. He signed a one-year deal with the Chicago Blackhawks. Didn't go that well, but of course went very well with Vegas. Missed out on his shot at the Stanley Cup, but of course he was the comeback player of the year last year. Joe Vitale, where does Robin Leonard match up best in free agency? Well, here's a back-to-back for me, Alex. He's a player that's not going to leave. Uh, there's lots of heavy rumors out there right now about him signing a five-year uh, deal with Vegas that's in the works. And um, I don't think anything has been official yet. I think they were going to wait to see how the playoffs go before announcing anything. Um, so, again, we'll, we'll see if those if those rumors have any weight to them. But I think Robin Leonard, given what Peter DeBoer and everyone in Vegas has seen uh, since he's come over from Chicago during that deadline, I think they are looking at this young man now as the franchise goaltender moving forward in the long haul, which basically uh, – you know, pretty much brings up the question, what do you do with Marc-Andre Fleury, who's carrying a $7 million cap hit? That's going to be something for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, to get very creative with this offseason to try to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury in that very heavy contract. It's going to be tricky, but for me, Alex, Robin Leonard stays in Vegas. And you know what? I, I agree with you on this one. This makes the most sense, Joe, of him staying in Vegas. The part that intrigues me is how Vegas moves Flurry. I mean, you got two years left at $7 million per year, a 35-year-old goaltender who by no mistake played bad this season for Vegas, but he wasn't the same goaltender. Now, there are a lot of teams that need goaltenders this upcoming season. I just don't know if somebody wants him for $7 million. So to me... Leonard stays in Vegas. I don't know how they move Flurry, but I, I I guarantee they will find a way to move him to to find ways to uh to, to to take on a Stanley Cup champion, a multiple Stanley Cup champion in Robin Leonard. All right, another goaltender, Joe. Jacob Markstrom, who was a Florida Panther. He was traded to Vancouver. He was their number one guy last year, was really the story of the first couple of rounds as he hit a wall, though, once he made it against the uh, the second round against the Vegas Golden Knights. Jacob Markstrom, where does he match up for you, Joey V? Uh, Jacob, Jacob Markstrom, he's going to be out of Vancouver. Uh, I believe that. I think they look at what Batcher Demko did, Alex, and they're now looking at him as the franchise go-to guy. I mean, this guy was incredible, uh, younger, and a lot more friendly from a cap situation as well. So uh, that's your Demko, Demko, excuse me, will get moved here. Um, To me, I look at who we were just talking about in Marc-Andre Fleury, and I look at a Jacob Markstrom. To me, two of the best goaltenders that could come into Washington because I don't believe Braden Holpe is going to stay in Washington. So for me, Marc-Andre Fleury, who you just mentioned, and you're looking now at Jacob Markstrom, two of those tenders for me, that those, those are the two guys that it's going to be a toss-up to see who the Washington Capitals look towards as they're gonna, their number one goaltender heading into next season. So I'm going to go with the team that I threw in there for Taylor Hall I think the Edmonton Oilers are the best match for Jacob Markstrom. I think the Canucks, like I'm like you, I think the Canucks like Demko and they don't want to pay the money that Markstrom is going to want when he hits free agency. I think Edmonton is right now in a state that they have to overpay for a goaltender. I don't know if it's overpaying for Jacob Markstrom because he did struggle in that second round against the Vegas Golden Knights, but he looked great in the round robin, the play-in games, and of course the series against the Blues. So I think Jacob Markstrom lands in Edmonton. One more for you, Joe, before we get out of here, and it's Mike Hoffman, the forward who was with the Florida Panthers, previously with the Ottawa Senators, a 30-goal scorer in the past, a power play specialist. Joe Vitale, where does Mike Hoffman match best? Hey, how about the St. Louis Blues? I love it. (laughs) 
Huh? Huh? I think he's one of the best top guys uh, that are going to be UFA uh, UFAs this offseason. I, I like Mike Hoffman. You know, he went through a little bit of drama there in Ottawa. Um, he said, she said, not really sure, but that got him the boot in Ottawa, or else he probably would have stayed there. Uh, a bit of a shuffling. He ends up in Florida, and he just played as solid, uh, solid as a couple of years in Florida as anyone could have expected for Mike Hoffman. He's a power play guy. He's got an incredible shot. He's got vision. He never looks at his pass. He's always throwing passes off the no-look shoulder. Um, so to me, he adds a speed element. He adds a skill element. He has some goal scoring. I would personally love to see him on that left side with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. I couldn't agree more with you, Joe, and I'm going to put that out there that they find a way to get this Mike Hoffman deal done. Now, I still think the Petro thing happens. If Petro happens, this is less likely, but if Petro doesn't happen, Mike Hoffman makes sense. He's a guy who's made $5 million his last four years, may not get that on the open market. Somebody might pay him, but he wants to go to a contender after playing with Ottawa for so long and then playing with Florida. If he goes to St. Louis, a 30-year-old who might sign for two, three, maybe $4 million gives yourself a, um, a 25, possibly a 30-goal score on that top wing, offsets the absence of Vladimir Tarasenko. I think you're looking at a nice match, Mike Hoffman, with the city of St. Louis. I think so. And then for the, for the Florida side, are you looking at a team that's going to sign him? Maybe not, because who are they going to try to sign, Alex? As, as much as this hurts me to say it, but it could be Alex Petrangelo. Yep. You know I mean, this is a, a team that is on the verge. They're on the cusp. They haven't been uh, in, in the playoffs technically, I think, 20-plus years, longer than any franchise, I believe. Uh, but they have something going there. Something's brewing. They have young talent. They have a great captain in Barkov, Keith Yan on the back end. They got some great goaltending um, now on the back end there um, as well with Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. God, Joe. You were close. Bobrovsky on the back end, <laughs> uh, to me, their missing piece is a defenseman. They need to tighten things up a little bit defensively. And I think with the uh, no state income tax down in Florida, it is very intriguing for any UFA to take their sights and to fix their sights on any Florida team. Um, I'm not going to predict anything, but if the Blues can't get a Petrangelo thing done, uh, I don't know why, just the Florida Panthers are, are an intriguing one that they, they, they could really go after. Them. It's an interesting one that puts a sour taste in people's mouths, but it's something that people have to actually look at as possibly reality that Alex Petrangelo could be on another team and uh, Florida Panthers make a heck of a lot of sense. So that's our match game for tonight, and that is going to wrap it up for us tonight here on This Week in Hockey. Joey V, always great stuff, big man. Enjoy the week, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky. I'm going to say that 10 times. I'm going to write it down 100 times. Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky. Hey, Alex. The first thing we're going to do next Tuesday, Joe, is you're going to say Sergei Bobrovsky and nail it. Sergei Bobrovsky. (laughs) Got it. Close enough. All right, buddy. There you go. Joe Vitale, I'm Alex Ferrario. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next Tuesday here on 101 ESPN.